You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. God bless you. So we're excited about all of our youth that are going, amen, this week. So be praying for them as well. But we are glad to have, amen, my brother-in-law, my friend, brother Paul Price, church planter, evangelist before that, youth pastor, many other things. And now they're traveling right now. And you are on the road with the whole family for a month right now. I think it is. And so we're glad that they were able to stop here today. And he's going to come and preach the word. Would you stand together with me as we receive, amen, the word of the Lord this morning. And we want God to take his liberty. Amen. We want... God to take his liberty through the preaching of the word and the spirit. Amen. Would you clap your hands? Amen. And give him a great big welcome. This would help. Clap your hands again. I can't get it. (laughs) There we go. Amen. It's good to be with each and every one of you, and it's good to have a microphone. Man, I'll tell you this, it feels good and it looks good in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I, I won't lie, they got to shouting up here and I thought, man, I'm just not that athletic. I don't know if I have that ability, but I'm going to do what I can here. Aren't you glad that it doesn't take certain talent to worship the Lord? My, my uncle in Indiana, possibly the worst singer in the history of singers, Uncle Dan Lytle's his name. He would get up and lead worship. For 20 years, he led worship. And we used to say, why in the world are they having Dan Lytle lead worship? I'm telling you right now, he could not hit the note at any point in the song. He didn't even like pass it by. He was always so far off. But he'd get up and he'd, he'd, he'd lead worship. My grandfather had him, and, and, and it wasn't until later on in life that I began to realize why. It wasn't about his singing abilities. It wasn't about his ability, uh, you know, to maybe start low and build up to get you to react and respond. From the very beginning of that service, he would clap his hands and close his eyes, and he would sing with everything he had. And what happened on Sunday was just an icon of what's, what was happening throughout his life. Through the ups and the downs and the good and the bad, he was worshiping God. And so I've got good news for you today. You may say, well, I can't sing like they can sing. And I maybe can't even figure out how to clap on beat. I'm not near the great piano player that y'all have here this morning. I can't do any of those things. The good news for you is it does not require any of that to worship the Lord. Amen. It requires none of that. You have the ability, amen? Why don't you do that with me one more time? Can we just let him know, God, I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I praise you, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Amen. It's so good to be with you, and I'm not going to have you standing long, but as you turn to Judges chapter 11, Judges chapter 11, I want to say, Thank you for allowing us to come. We are in a transition in life. My wife and I felt it for some time, and we prayed and prayed, and it was amazing how God just ordained everything. And and thankfully, for years and years to come, there will be a church in northwest Arkansas that will always have our heart. 
Amen. They always will have our heart, and we love them so much. We said we are willing to do this without any clue or idea of what's next for us. That's how much we love you. And so here we are on the road, living in our, just joking, by the way, not living in our car fully. Uh, we are hitting the road uh, this week. This, this next month is a wild and crazy month. And so if you have any canned goods and non-preparables, we'd appreciate that. Um, if any ramen noodles, uh, we're just trying to make it by here. Oh, seriously, though, just leave them in a basket outside. Um, just making sure you know I'm dead serious about that. All right. All right. All right. Judges chapter 11, uh, verse 29. Um, the Bible says in this text, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh and passed over Mitzvah of Gilead and from Mitzvah of Gilead, he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And in verse 30, the Bible says, And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands. Everybody say, my hands. Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord. So I'm going to give it to you. And I will offer it up for a burnt offering. I want to preach to you on the simple topic, and I'm going to honor your time this morning. But I want to preach to you on the order of worship. The order of worship. I want to ask you to help me right now. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. God, I'm asking you to move in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that you would Revive us, God. I pray, Lord, you bring focus. I pray you bring help. I pray you bring strength. I pray, God, you'd have your way, God. We trust in you. We have faith in you. We stand on your word, God, right now. Lord, I pray for blessings on every father, every man, God, every family today. And we give you thanks. We give you praise for all you've done. We thank you, Jesus. One more time, clap your hands to him. He's worthy. He's worthy. <laughs> Amen, 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 amen. He is worthy. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I'm glad, as I said, to have my family with us. They've been here, and I just want to say thank you to this church. Last time my family was here, I got a call at lunch, a FaceTime, and it was uh, news that Rutley had received the gift of the Holy Ghost here at this great church. And so we're always thankful for that and the liberty that, that is here in this place. I mean, you ought to tell everybody you know. Your next Facebook post should be about your church. That would be, that would be good for some of us, but in Jesus' name, <laughs> I'll stop right there. I can feel that. I like to cook. I like to eat, too, by the way. I don't know if you can tell that, but I like to cook. When my mom went to work when I was young, we, we, we had gone through a bit of a... Um, um, a situation in our in our town and when the factory had shut down we lost a lot of people in our church to other areas and it was a devastating moment for our, for my family and they did their best to keep us kind of from that but my mom we had such a life change we were, we were in the middle middle of building a great church building and revival was happening our church was really just growing and my mom went to work and when she went to work we got used to dominoes. 
And you can only be used to dominoes for so long before you get sick of dominoes. Everybody said amen. Now, we grew up in a small area. You had dominoes, and then you had the pizza place that changed names every month. And so everyone's always going in thinking, I'm going to do it this time, and we're going to call it Herb's Pizza. And the next time, it'd be called Gross Pizza, and the next time. So it was kind of like the, the, you know, you didn't order from that one. You ordered from Domino's. But Domino's got tiring. And, and you don't order pop, uh, Pizza Hut because then you'll, you won't live through the month. And so we stuck with Domino's. And I got tired of Domino's. And so at 10 and 11 years old, I learned how to cook. And I started saying, Mom, I'm going to need some chicken. I'm going to need some potatoes, some fresh potatoes. And I'm going to need, and you're getting hungry already. I, can, I know I'm, this is not wise preaching here. You don't do this, but here I am. So I, I began to learn. And, and we didn't have, just, just mind you, I couldn't go Google how to make a good meal at 11 years old. I couldn't do that. I mean, that was, we were far from that. So you either had to figure it out, have mom teach you, or you got a recipe book out. And I was, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I was 10 and 11 and I was getting the pots and pans out and I'm thinking I'm not doing pizza anymore. So my older brother, uh, would come in. My my middle brother would come in, and my 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 uh, I was say my daughter, but my sister would come in, and and my dad was at the church working. My mom was working an hour away, and she was working six days a week. And I said, I'm not living my life this way. And so I began to cook fried chicken, and I began to figure out how to cook um, some good you know good sandwiches. And I would cook three or four nights a week. I kid you not. You think I'm crazy? I was putting it. I was Paul Dean. <clears throat> Listen, I wasn't expecting to have good material like that today, but that was some solid material. That came at me just like that. I wasn't ready for myself there. But I, that's the good stuff. Lots of butter in every recipe. But I, I, I was cooking, and so I can do that because here's the thing to this day when I cook, I don't measure anything. There's no, I don't need your little measuring cups. I go off of feel. I, I go off of what I think is going to work out. And so I can do that. When I'm cooking some meats or something, I go and I get these good spices, and I just think that looks good. And then at the end, I'm thinking, nah, this looks a little better. And I grab my wife is looking, thinking, what in the world are you doing to my kitchen? And I'm thinking, just get out of my kitchen right now. This is my kitchen, and you can come clean up for me in a moment. But but I I, I work. Sorry, babe. Happy Father's Day. But I... I work and I give myself to this and I'm, I'm laboring over these recipes, but I got crazy one time and said, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to bake something. I get the idea that I can bake something. Now when you're cooking meats, there's not as much demand to paying attention to the order, but when you're baking something, man, you got to make sure everything's right. That's why she's good at that, and I'm not. I'm talking about things that don't rise, things that don't work, things that taste terrible, the worst things in the world. And I'm just not, I don't want to pay attention to those small details of half a cousin to a teaspoon of, of baking soda or whatever. I don't, I don't want our baking powder. See, that's how bad I am. But I don't want that. I, and so, so I realized, though, that, that you have to pay attention to order and in order to get the outcome that you're looking for. Order in life is, is, is very important. Order in your relationship with God is awfully important. 
There's things that I do that, are, that have to come in order. There's things that I do. I've got to learn how to live in order, to have harmony in my life. There's things I must, must do. We find in our text this man named Jephthah, and Jephthah was one of many brothers, but the Bible tells us that Jephthah was exiled from his land. He had been sent out to dwell in the land of Tob, and so he was uh, sent out because his brother said you have to go because he was not born of the same mother as his brothers and they were looking at the inheritance thinking if he stays around we're going to have to keep and I have to give him some of the inheritance that we would like to keep and so they pushed him out but the problem was is that he was a great warrior he was one that had great ability and he was a man that was seen uh, as being have uh, somebody that had an admiration for the things of God, and he did. He had the admiration, but the problem was is a trial arose in his life that shifted possibly a little bit of, of his thinking in a moment of, of time that we read here even in this text because the children of Ammon were coming in against God's people, and, and they could not form the retaliation that they needed. And so uh, we find in the text they go back and they seek out Jephthah, and they say to Jephthah, we want you to come and help us fight and, and give victory to our people. And he said, aren't you the same people who got rid of me? Probably sitting and feasting on it in his life, just sitting back and realizing that I've lost everything that I've got. My, my, my family has been pushed away from their land and, and our inheritance is gone. And it probably irked him just a little bit because of the principle of the situation. Just got caught up in, in thinking, I'll never be back there. I'll never have it again. And now they have the audacity to walk in and, and knock on his door and say, would you come back and help us fight? And he said, aren't you the once. They said, we are. We are, and we realize what we've done, but here's what we'll do. If you bring us victory, then we'll follow you. We'll, we'll walk after you if you bring us victory. And so the Bible tells us that Jephthah did such a thing as to stand and bring on all that he was fighting with and to bring the retaliation to the Ammonites. He was willing to, to follow after what they were asking him to do. And the Bible tells us here in this text, and I can just see it, as the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, I want you to understand with me right now that Israel did not take the battle to Ammon. Ammon brought the battle to Israel. And when, when Ammon brought the battle to Israel, they were bringing a battle against God. And so God desired for his people to have victory. But the scripture says that Jephthah, had the spirit of the Lord came upon him. He goes that way. And as he's standing in front of all of the people, they're standing there watching, wondering what's next. I feel as if maybe Jephthah got so enticed or so much desired the victory that could possibly come. He began to envision his his family being reinstated. He began to envision those that pushed him away as now looking at him and, and, and following him. He began to say, look at what you thought you could do, but now look at what you are, you've done in my life. I'm now back leading you in possibly a little bit of a desire of victory more than anything else began to rise up in Jephthah's life. So much so that he made a rash vow 
under the unction of what he felt was the, was, was the spirit of God. He made a vow. He said, everybody, listen to me. And I want you to listen to me well. We are going to see victory. And then he says unto God, a vow that was meant directly to the ears of God. He says, if you deliver these people into my hands, then I will worship you. And I'll give you the first thing that comes out of the gate of my house when I return in victory. I'm going to worship you if you give me victory. I'm going to give you everything I've got if you give me victory. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the things that I know are yours if you give me victory. If you'll bless my family, then I'll serve you. If you'll bless my home, then I'll worship you. If you'll bless my finances, then I'll tithe. If you'll do this, then I'll do that. If you'll do the things I'm asking, then I'll do the things you're asking. At that moment, Jephthah, who was, who was being led, who had the Spirit of God rested upon him, he was now removed from the order of what worship needs to be. And in Jephthah's return home after victory came, the, the word spread. The word was quick. The celebration was on. And when Jephthah got to his home, his daughter, his only child, had heard of the victory that took place. And when she heard about it, she was so excited. And before even a goat or a dog or anything else could get out of the gate, she comes running down out through the gate and she says dad I heard we're going back home and with that he looks and he remembers the vow that he made that I'll give back to you whatever comes out of the doors if you give me victory and in that moment this father who realized I made a rash vow God wanted victory anyways but he made a rash vow he realized that he's going to have to have to give his only child to God now, there's, there's question here because there's a talk of a burnt offering, but, but they also understood that, that Israel was not to offer human sacrifice in this time. And so there's questions of what took place. Many believe that she went and lived a life away and apart, uh, dedicated to God. But nonetheless, here we have a father who has now lost his daughter because of a rash vow. A vow that came out of misaligning his worship. But yet we have other examples in the Bible we find here in Genesis chapter 22 of another dad. Another father who had, who, whose, whose son had the affection of his heart, who was, who was caught up and who was in, in the gift of this great son. And in Genesis 22 and 2, we find the opening of this moment for, for Abraham, where Abraham is beginning to speak, or beginning to hear the voice of God, and the Lord's telling him, I want you to do something that's unthinkable. I want you, I want to put you through a test that you cannot even hardly imagine. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. You see, the Lord looked and saw the affection he had for his son. He sees what you feel about what you're giving. He sees how you feel about what you're offering. He sees what it is that's in your hands. And he said, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. It's very important that we see that Abraham noted that the Lord said, I'm going to tell you where 
to go. I'm going to tell you the place. I'm not only going to tell you what to offer. I'm going to tell you where to go. And the Bible says that Abraham rose up early in the morning. He got up early in the morning and saddled and he he took his sons and Isaac, his son, was there and claved the wood for burnt offering and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Knowing what God called him to do, knowing what God was doing in his life, knowing what God was speaking to him in his life, he saw the place afar off. He saw what he was going after. He saw where he was going. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here. I and the lad will go yonder and we're going to worship. Now, there's some understanding of what kind of father he was as we look at this. And he said, notice what he says after that, and come again to you. Abraham knew what God was asking, but the fact is that even though he knew what God was asking, he was not in one moment doubting that God was able to do the work he was calling him to do. The understanding was that Abraham knew without a doubt he was a provider. Even so much that if this does get carried out, that you'll bring him from the dead. Abraham had such faith for that. He believed that in such a way. And we go on. He says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to worship. Verse 6 goes on. Let's look at verse 6 together. And it says, Abraham said unto us, I'm sorry, and Abraham took the word of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. Now notice this, fathers. This is important to note this and see this. Go on to verse 7. And it says, and Isaac speaks up the young, the, the, the boy that speaks up. And he says, he says, and he, and he offers some understanding and, and, and gives us a, a, a bit of a look into the type of father that Abraham was at home. Not just at church, but at home. And he begins to tell him, he says, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood. I see components that are important for the order of worship. I see things that are required. I see things that are necessary. But I'm missing. Behold the fire in the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? We're missing something. There's something missing. And, and what I want you to understand, moms and dads, that, that it's important for your kids to see you worshiping and understand what worship is and what worship isn't. It's important for us to know that our kids are watching us, that they're seeing every moment, every word, every action, everything we're doing so they know that this is what worship is because Isaac said there's something missing because when my kids may be going to something that's not right, I want them to say, I feel like maybe this is similar, but yet there's something missing. It feels kind of like home, but something's different. Something's off. I've got to get back where things are right. Things are true. Things are in order. And so Abraham had done this before. This is not their first time to offer sacrifice together. This is not their first trip up a mountain together. They had done this before. They were walking up, and Isaac looked around and said, I've seen this before. I've seen that before. But I'm usually seeing there's something else. Where is the lamb? 
ought to be a moment in time where your kids are so ingrained in what's right that they say, Dad, I, 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 I missed something. I, I'm not, where, where is this? And where is that? Maybe when you shift a little bit, possibly. Or we need to get tired and weary and life just comes up. They say, but, but what, what about this? And what about that? Because they've been there. They've seen it. They've experienced it. Abraham did what he, sh- what he should have done in this moment. He said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. They, he, he, you know what he did in that moment? Isaac said, okay, dad, I trust you. But how in this moment do you think that Isaac did not realize after looking at the, 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 the posture of his father, looking at the weight of what he was possibly carrying up that hill, seeing his emotion possibly as he said to the young men at the base of the mountain, we'll be back, speaking in such confidence, speaking in a way he's never spoken before, saying that I'm, I'm carrying, even my children at times can come in and say, I know it seems as if you're carrying something. My children have said to me, Dad, I, I, we want to make sure you're okay because they see. Dad, they see it on you. Mom, they see it on you. They see the weights of life. They see the weights of 2020 and the, and, and the things we're dealing with right now that are weighing upon us. They're watching and they're noticing. But let me tell you right now, in the midst of all, they're watching and they're noticing. They're seeing the weight at home, but they're also seeing you lift that lift that weight to the Lord on Sunday morning. They're seeing when you get up on Monday morning and you you take time in prayer. They see it in the evening when you when you open the Word of God. They see it. They're watching. They're noticing. They're taking note of it. They're seeing everything they're doing. And so Isaac said, Isaac believed it. I believe he saw it, and he said to his father that, "Okay, I'm going to go with you. Why? Why would he do such a thing? I believe." Because he said, Abraham, my father, I've seen you with your God, but I've also seen your God with you. And if God is calling us up to something that seems far-fetched, that seems so crazy, that seems so outlandish, I'm willing to go on that journey because I've watched you with your God. Your God has become my God, and I'll go to the distance he called us to go. I'm willing to wait, make the walk. I'm willing to get on the altar. I'm willing to go to the top of the mountain. I'm willing to go there. And so notice with me now, I'm hurrying, but, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac. Notice he bound him. Even though he was willing, he bound him because it was necessary to not cut corners and sacrifice and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And and, and the scripture goes on and says, the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said to Abraham, here I, here I am, or here am I, excuse me. And he said, lay not thy hand. Now, you know, the, you know, the story says, don't, don't put your hand on your son. For now I know thou fearest God. There was a reason why the Lord said go to the place. And I want to, I want to speak to every father just for a moment because this last, last year and a half has not been easy. It's not been, it's not been a, a walk in the park. And we've had to figure out things at times. We've had to, and moms, I'm not, I'm not just, you know, forgetting the fact that you've had to live this life too. And, and we've all lived this life. But I want to tell you something real fast. There's a reason why he said get to the place. 
If you're an outdoorsman at all, you know that every animal that walks has to eventually bed down. They have to take a moment. Uncle Bob, they have to take a moment of rest. They have to find a place that's quiet and away from everything. But if you're dealing with a ram on the side of a mountain, you know without a doubt if you've ever, I've ever thought about hunting them or studied them. Many times you have to find them from a long distance. If you don't have what's needed, you have to find them. And the Lord said, I'm going to make a way for you to get what you need, but you've got to get to the place that I've called you to. You've got to walk with the unknown. You have to walk with the questions. You have to walk with wondering, maybe even doubt creeping in. You got to fight doubt off the whole way there. Off the mountain, you got to carry the burden of the wood. You got to carry and keep the fire alive. You got to walk through the unknown things. You got to say, I don't know, but God's going to make a way. You got to get up again on another Sunday and say, babe, I don't know how it's going to work, but we've got to get to a place. And it might take a day. It might take three days. It might take a month. But all I know is we're going to get through this because there's a place that God has already provided a sacrifice. There's already something there. It's already there. It's been resting there. It's already made its way to that place. I'm not stopping short of it. I'm going to make my way to the place that God has called me to. I need Rutley, Rutley, come here, come here, Rutley. Where's Rutley? Come here. This is my mini-me, they say. This guy's just, to be honest with you, he's got a much better heart than me. But everywhere we go, everyone says, man, I can tell who that is. And I hope that's the case because I hope, I hope, I hope it's always the case that he lives for God. And I know he will because he loves God. But I'll tell you right now, as we walk up a mountain of unknowns, I want him to know that God's going to, we've had tough times. We've had moments of doubt. We've had moments of worry, but we've never never given up. Why? Because I know he's walking behind me, and I want him to know that God is going to make a way. God's going to make a way. He's going to learn it from somebody. It's going to be me. He's going to learn it from dad. He's going to know this is what it takes, and this is what it is, and I'm going to walk after God. But let me tell you, there's a place he's already set up. There's a place he's he's already got it set. He already sees where the ram is. He already sees where the provision is. He already sees where the answer is. I'm telling someone right now that walked in with questions, and I'm telling you, God knows where the answer is. You've got to get to it. You've got to get up and get to it. And you've got to walk in to, with understanding that I'll, I'll follow after the word of God. I'll follow it. I'll follow it. Thank you. And so, so we have two fathers here, and, I, and I'm hurrying here. We have two fathers. We have one. We have one that said, Lord, if you deliver them into mine hands. And we have one that said, Lord, even if I don't see it today. We have one that said, make it about me. Got caught up in the moment. He was a good man. He, he feared God. He loved his family. He wanted victory, but he began to worship victory more than he worshiped God in that moment. And there's moments in your life where you've done things right, you've done things well, you've lived right, you've spoken well, you've done all the above. But we've got to be careful never ever to worship winning as a dad. Because the moment he began to worship the victory, the moment he began to worship the return, the moment he began to worship uh, uh, vengeance, the moment he began to worship these things, Jephthah crossed over to a place where things were out of order. 
And the Lord said, I'm going to honor you with what you want and with what what you're asking. I'm going to give you the victory that I was going to give you anyways. And he said, God, if you'll give the enemy to me, and it's not even about you anymore, Lord, but I need this victory for me. I need need this because they did this to me. I need this because they did that. When I walk into that place, I want to have victory because I was pushed out, because I was done wrong, because of these things. And so he made it about him getting what he needed, what he deserved. And the moment he did that, he removed God from the equation and he lost his child. But on the other side of this this, this message I feel to preach to you this morning is a dad who had to tell his wife that I'm walking out of this house and I believe God's going to bring him back. But here is what God has called me to do. And every step up the mountain was a step of of trusting God. Every step of of that mountain was a step of saying, God, I know you can, but please do not remove yourself from me today. Every step up that mountain was him with his most cherished possession, his son, saying, God, you've given me this boy. Please don't take him from me. And the Lord was saying, just get to the place I've called you to. Just get to the place I've called you to. You see, every step of the way was saying, God, I give myself, and I give everything to you, and I trust you, and I'll never, ever withhold from you. And the moment that it came down, to complete surrender to God. We know the story. The angel said, do not put your hand on your son because the clarity came that Abraham still had God as king of his heart. Still placed God in that that that. That, that moment and that and, the, and and seated in that that place where he had to be still he was living under the covering of knowing that I'm serving you first not the job not the family not winning not victory not proving anybody wrong no nothing comes before you god musicians you can come I'm coming to a close but listen to me right now The task at hand for everybody in this building is that we let nothing step in front of where God resides in our life. Oftentimes, he will call you to a test. He'll call you to a place. And he'll say, I want to get you to this place. I want to get you to this moment. And I want to see where you're at. I want to see what's going on in your life. I want to find out if you're willing. Every, I, I, every, every, every week, you deal with a little bit of a test. The test of your heart. That is, he's still king of your heart. And do you still trust him enough? Do you still trust him enough to do it? Do you still trust him enough to make the way? And here's what's amazing about this ram. This ram is meant to not get caught in the thicket. A white-tailed deer, maybe maybe a, a, a type of deer that has antlers that come out and go forward. Maybe they do. I've I've seen in the woods where I've I've I've, I've looked and I've I've picked my head up because I heard something, and I thought that sounds like a deer. And I've seen squirrels walk by, and I thought, man, again. But I've also heard at times the antlers of a deer, maybe catching a branch, and you look up and you think there he is. But the ram wasn't that way. The ram has a slick antler. It falls back on its head, making him a a four-legged creature that can kind of weave its way through the thicket and, and not be harmed. 
The Lord said, I've already got a rim there. I've already got one. I've got the answer there is what he was telling him. Get to the place. And then when that ram began to hear a stirring, when that ram began to hear something, that ram probably got startled and got up and began to move on to another place, got out of its bed. And when it got out of its bed, the Lord had already taken a thicket and wrapped it around the antler to preserve it and keep it there. And that's when the Lord said, I've got what you need. You see, he actually made it to where the ram could get caught, took something that made no sense whatsoever, and gave it to Abraham to give him the sacrifice that he needed to make it all work. And not only that, but he walked down the same way he came up with his son. Because he was withholding nothing. Because he was willing to say, God, you're still seated upon the throne of my heart. And I'll follow after you. And I'll serve you. You see, your worship has always got to be in order. And fathers, I'm challenging you on this special day. I'm challenging everybody in this building. Do not step out of order with your worship. But rather always stand in a place to say, God, I don't have an answer, but you're still on the throne. I don't see how it's going to work out, but I'm not giving up. I don't have maybe everything I need, but I'm still, I'm still under your covering, Lord. I'm still walking after you. You are still God in my life. Would you stand to your feet right now? If you allow it this morning, if you allow it this morning, your worship will keep your kids. Your worship will keep your kids. Your worship will point them to a place. Your worship will take them to a place. The worship, your worship will let them experience the provision of God in their life. But it's in your hands, mom and dad. It's in your hands. Would you right now lift your hand right now? And as you lift it, I know some are heavy, some are tired, some are weary. But would you lift your hands right now and say, God... I submit submit myself fully to you, Lord. I submit myself fully to you, God. And I withhold nothing. I withhold nothing from you, Jesus. Come on, can we talk to him right now? They're about to sing, but I'm going to open these altars right now. And if you if you feel to respond to the word of the Lord this morning, would you step out from where you are? Maybe you would even come with your, with your child or your family. Maybe you'd even step out and say, God, I want to bring them to you right now and let them know, Lord, we worship you. You might have come with questions and you might have come with weights that are so heavy right now, but I'm asking, would you come down and say, God, I give myself fully to you, Lord. I give myself fully to you, Jesus. Jesus. It's all.